from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Yes, I'm Tony Perkins. Thanks so much for tuning in. I am back, sort of. We're in Southern California at the studios of his channel. We appreciate them hosting us today. We're actually here for the annual Friends of FRC Banquet, but this year it's extra special. It's the 40th anniversary of the Family Research Council. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, more uh, a little, little bit later. But first, here are some of the stories we're going to be taking a look at today. As predicted during the debate over raising the debt ceiling, that was just a precursor to the debate that has now descended upon D.C., the funding of government. There is no reason, no reason at all, uh, that Congress uh, should be uh, should be going down the path of shutting down this government. There is no reason for Congress uh, to shut down the government, and we'll be continue to be very, very clear about that. Uh, there again, we have the hyperbole coming out of the White House with White House Press Secretary Jean uh, Cree. Corrine Jean-Pierre. See, I had completely erased my memory banks of who that was. Uh, so the Republicans, are they wanting to shut down government? No, I think they're trying to make it a little more responsible. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Hurricane Idalia, which struck Florida as a Category 3 storm yesterday, has left a trail of destruction across Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina. There has been um, significant damage, particularly along Florida's Big Bend, uh, but the community is resilient and we are going to work hard to make sure people get what they need. That was uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis earlier today. We're going to get a report on the relief effort already underway with our friends at Samaritan's Purse when Edward Grant joins us later. And Disney has become the land of disenchantment for investors. Investors are suing Disney over alleged sleight-of-hand accounting that the company used to hide streaming losses, which Disney has suffered because of consumer pushback to their tacit support of LGBTQ grooming of children. Now, Disney and their Hulu channel have lost, they've lost over 4 million subscribers. We're going to talk with uh, Paul Chesser with National Legal and Policy Center's Corporate Integrity Project. And with the sexualization of the military, this should come as no surprise. According to a report yesterday from the Washington Post, Army officials on Wednesday said that the service has brought sexual assault charges against a military doctor in what is described as a sprawling case involving at least 23 alleged victims. Now, when everything is about your sex, your sexual orientation, your sexual identity, etc., etc., why should anyone be shocked when the military records almost 9,000 sexual assault cases like they did last year. We're going to talk about that. Also, parents of the 13 service members killed in the chaotic, chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan two years ago were on Capitol Hill this week for discussion with the House Foreign Affairs Committee. This administration wants to sweep what happened under the rug. They know they bear the brunt of the blame, and they want to escape any accountability. Well, I will not let that happen. That was chairman of the committee, Congressman McCall. We're going to talk about all of that and more when we're joined later by our all-star panel. Retired three-star, General Jerry Boykin and former Ohio Secretary of State and Mayor of Cincinnati, Ken Blackwell. But first, to make sure that I have not lost my ability behind the microphone, my co-host today, who has been the host of Washington Watch for most of August, Jody Heiss. 
former uh, congressman from Georgia and now senior vice president at FRC. Jody, good to see you. Great to be with you, Tony. Welcome back in the driver's seat. You've been missed. Well, thank you for doing such a spectacular job during the month of August while I was out uh, attending to different things, taking care of family business and also working on FRC businesses. We're working on a strategic five-year plan, and so the, the program was in good hands. Thanks so much for filling in for me. Well, thank you so much. And at some point, whether now or later, I know a lot of folks have been praying for you, your family, your dad, and I know they'd love to have an update. Well, uh, good news. Uh, yesterday, my father came home from the hospital after uh, three weeks, and um, he is uh, improving with each passing day. He's able to uh, uh, communicate better, and he's um, mobile, moving around, uh, you know, with some aid. And, and so great. very thankful for the prayers. Thanks Amen. so much for asking, and I want to thank all of our listeners for uh, for praying and uh, interceding for my dad. The prayers are being answered. Fantastic. And speaking of that, Jody, let's start with our word for today, because our word for today comes from Acts chapter 18. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city." You know, Paul was apparently becoming a little weary of the opposition that in some cases literally followed him from city to city. It was the same pattern. He would preach, people's lives would be transformed by the truth, the opposition, envious of the power of the gospel, would stir up the lawless cancel crowd, and he would find himself either beaten or back in jail. The Lord spoke to him very clearly. Now is not the time to give up, to back up, or to shut up. Rather, you are to stand up and speak up, for I am with you. And you know what? That word speaks to us today. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. And Jody, I, wa I want you to kind of bring, bring me up to date. There's so much that we need to be speaking out about as, as Christians. And, uh, you know, some of the things we're tracking, obviously, the spending. And, and oftentimes, that's an issue that many Christians just say, well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a money issue. It doesn't matter to us. But it's a moral issue. It is a moral issue, and it's a biblical issue. But, yeah, where we're headed right now is, our, is a country. Of course, we all know, uh, what, a couple of months ago now, they, uh, Congress passed a, a non-limited debt ceiling. Right. Uh, and I think that was a horrible, horrible mistake, and we're going to have to deal with it now. So the, a battle is underway to uh, get our spending under control. Uh, you have people like Mitch McConnell and others who are saying they, they want to pass a continuing resolution at least up till December. That's going to be... Or why would anyone want to continue spending of this administration that is paying to keep the borders open, to weaponize our government, to continue pushing woke policies and all of this sort of stuff? Why would we want even one more day of that? Right. And so that's where the battle is going to be. You're going to have the conservatives in Congress pushing back, saying we're not going there under any circumstance. And the other side is going to be saying, we just need a little bit more time to work through the details. But they've had a year to right. work through this, and here we are. Well, I, I want to ask you about that, because you've had uh, many of the members on the program talking about this as we've been leading up to this moment. And, and I played the clip at the top of the program of the White House press secretary, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre. And, you know, she immediately jumps at, well, we shouldn't be going down this path of government shutdown. That's not what the Freedom Caucus and the other conservatives are working for. They're working toward a reasonable 
approach to the funding of government. Yeah, like, let's go back to pre-COVID spending. Yeah, let's talk about it. I don't think we can talk too much about this because it gets missed. You know, the president says, I've cut the deficit by a trillion dollars. Well, we've spent like three trillion of extra spending during COVID. And, and, and the idea was we're only doing this one time, but that's become a part of normal government spending. And that's the way government works. Once they get a foot in the door, they never take their foot out. And COVID is a perfect example of that, where we had trillions of dollars of more spending. And now, even by admission of this administration, COVID is over. It is a thing of the past, but we are not going to go back to the past in spending. We're going to keep those outrageous spending levels that we experienced during COVID. So what conservatives in the House are saying, let's simply go back to where we were before. In fact, I think at 2020 levels, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And, and, and so there's actually a little bit of elevated spending levels, but they're saying let's go back to where it's reasonable and, and let's use that as the benchmark. That's right. And this administration says, why do you all want to shut down the government? It is this administration that's pushing the shutdown of the government with their unreasonable demand for more spending, and the spending is on things that are not in the best interest of our country. And that has uh, not only members of Congress, the conservative members, Freedom Caucus and others, but your average citizen in this country. We're watching inflation. We're watching all the the chaos, really, that's being created in this uh, economic environment, Bidenomics, and we have to get our financial house under control. There's now movements uh, with uh, various other countries, BRICS, for example, moving away from the dollar. And, and that is because our dollar is weakening. And so, so what's our time, what's our time frame? What's our time frame here? Uh, well, it, it's coming up when Congress comes back here in session. The battle is going to be underway. So they have, I mean, they, they have not advanced the 13 appropriations bills. That's right. And so government funding ends October 1st. That's right. And, and that's when the battle is going to begin. But there, again, we have had all year right. to know. Well, but but that we've this seen that this has been a it pattern. It happens every year. Instead of doing appropriations, which is the reasonable way of governing, they're just doing these continuing resolutions. That's right. And that is not, that is not the responsible way to deal with it. And it's really we have a responsibility to put forth the appropriation spending bills, let them all go through all the various committees, and then vote on them. Uh, but uh, it's, it seems to have become a pattern in recent years to just wait to the last minute and then throw some big omnibus, they call it. Um, and that's what they want to do right, right, right. now. They want well, to push. You're right. And they do it up December. to the wire. Right. They'll do December because everybody wants to go home for Christmas. And, and so, so people will just vote right, to go home. Right. And, and that, has, that is a tactic they use continually. So if they do a continuing resolution, it ought to be to January. So when they come back, they got plenty of time to do the right thing and work through it and not just, uh, you know, 11th hour push vote yes for it. Yeah, but I, even with that, I think it's going to be a huge battle. Your, your strong conservatives don't want to continue this reckless Biden spending levels. They want to stop it now. All right. Well, you know, I've, I've been out for, for a month, so I, I feel like I've got to create a little bit of controversy. Uh, just reading yesterday that the uh, Department of Health and Human Services is recommending to the Department of uh, the Drug Enforcement Agency to um, reclassify marijuana at a lower risk. And this actually has tacit support and sometimes open support from Republicans. Yeah. Explain that to me. Yeah, I, well, I wish I could explain that. I really don't understand. 
marijuana is an entry-level drug into who knows where, where it ends. And I see no good outcome by reclassifying this. I think it, it is going to open the door for much more problems with the, with, than what we already well, have we even drugs. We even saw in the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, there was money earmarked to study psychedelic drugs uh, for treatment for a post-traumatic stress syndrome. And I'm thinking, wh what are we doing? And this is being pushed, put forward by Republicans. I mean, Jody, I hear all the time about, you know, the border. You know, the border. We've got to secure the border because we have all this fentanyl coming across the border and it's killing Americans. Well, fentanyl is not like something that runs across the border and jumps on you and kills you. You take drugs and it's mixed in with those drugs and it kills you. Why are we not talking about the drug addiction problem in this country and why people are taking drugs. Well, we're going to have to have that discussion. We absolutely have to. And I think a good place to start with that is with this whole debate over marijuana. It, it is a feeder. It is the gateway drug. Absolutely. Uh, this is incredible. I just... Uh, I, it escapes me how Republicans see this as a good thing. I think this is where kind of the libertarian mindset has invaded the the republican party to a degree and it's this live and let live we need to have standards of morality that provide structure that benefit all of society absolutely all right jody really good to see good. you all right we're gonna we're coming up on a break but when we come back we're going to be joined by edward graham he's going to give us an update on the response to the hurricane samaritan's first great folks uh, you know that if you listen to washington watch we have them on a lot i've worked alongside them on many different occasions, they're the best. And they're going to give us an update on what's happening and how you can be a part of helping out your neighbor. Don't go away. Back with more Washington Watch after this. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be to 
discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Hey, make sure you're planning now to join us for this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit in Washington, D.C., September the 15th through the 17th. I'll talk more about that later. But first, Hurricane Adalia moved ashore, offshore rather, today after making landfall yesterday morning in Florida's Big Bend as a Category 3 storm. Now, across uh, states Florida, Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina, hundreds of thousands were without power today as response efforts got underway. And among those who will be helping those affected by the disaster well after the news cameras have left is Samaritan's Purse. And I can tell you that by experience. They are there until the work is all done. Well, here to share more about uh, Samaritan's Purse, their relief efforts in the wake of Hurricane Adalia is Edward Graham, Chief, o- Chief Operating Officer for Samaritan's Purse. Edward, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Good seeing you, Tony. So um, before we jump into uh, what's happening there on the ground in Florida, give us, uh, I know you've been over in Maui and in Hawaii. We were actually texting while you were over there. Give us the latest on that relief effort. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. It's it's hard to watch. It's uh, incredible destruction, so much loss, but also just difficulty right now getting anything done and decisions being made to try to help uh, those that have been affected and the homeowner. Um, it's been a, a challenge for humanitarian organizations even to do work there. Uh, we are sending additional support. Right now, the plan is for our 757 to take off tomorrow morning with additional supplies and also enough supplies to build a volunteer camp. And this is where it looks like we're going to get approval to finally do sifting. And sifting is where we um, look for maybe it's a ring or a brooch that was a hand, something handed down. But when there's a fire, there's a loss of hope because everything's gone. And some of our most right. you know beneficial and some of our biggest spiritual deployments is when we can do this sifting because all hope is gone. And then when you find that one little ring, it's the first glimpse of something bigger, something that happened. And so our chaplains get to listen and talk to these homeowners, and we see so many salvations just through sifting. So we're excited about this opportunity, but it's been a challenge to respond there. 
Edward, it's, uh, it's been amazing to watch you and Samaritan's Purse and your team over there in Hawaii. And we have had, of course, we've followed that a lot here on Washington Watch and have had some pastors. How is the body of Christ overall responding and working alongside Samaritan's Purse and just ministering and meeting the needs that are so enormously huge with those yeah. individuals there in Hawaii? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know what? It, the churches there, um, there's several churches in that community. And one of the pastors there at Calvary Westside there is someone that y'all know and that you've helped out with some other challenge, legal challenges as well, um, as some of the liberal agenda has been trying to push back on him. Um, but they are so bold and they're loving their communities and they're doing great things to serve those that have lost so much. The the church there is energized and wants to help. And these are churches that have lost um, many of their, their congregation have lost their homes and businesses. So they're in the middle of this fire and this destruction. But I saw so many churches that survived the fire. Um, and they're ready to work. And they're, you know, they've been helping with Samaritan's Purse. And uh, there's so much joy in the midst of all this loss. But I'm so proud and thankful for the local church there. They are sharing the name of Jesus Christ and loving their neighbor every opportunity they get. Yeah, I was uh, actually... Uh, uh trying to connect with Pastor Steve in the uh, early hours after the disaster hit Maui when we had the communications difficulty, but I was so thrilled to see that you guys had, in fact, uh, connected. Uh, Edward, let's, uh, let's transition now to, to Florida. I mean, there's no absence of disasters. We're seeing them, and again, so thankful for Samaritan's Purse. What are we seeing in the wake of this storm? It seems like it wasn't as bad as it could have been, still bad, but not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, now this is the, the most destructive hurricane that's really hit that, as we talked about before, right there where the panhandle comes into the curve of Florida. And there's been a lot of flooding and wind damage there. Some of it's more rural areas, but these are historical fishing communities. So livelihoods have been completely destroyed in businesses and homes. And so with this flood and roof damage, our volunteers have responded. Right now we have two, two of our teams are responding in Pasco County and then Taylor County, Florida. And we'll work through the local churches there, and we'll help mud up homes and then retarp roofs that have been destroyed. Um, but though people think this is a rural area, I mean, thousands have been affected, thousands of homes. And we're getting more and more reports. We are looking at other areas in Florida. Uh, we have looked at areas in Georgia and South Carolina as well, but the, the most damage is clearly there in Florida. And so we'll, we'll bring more teams in if needed and more equipment. Um, but it's going to take a long time for these areas to recover. Yeah, the devastation by these hurricanes is enormous and so widespread. Mm -hmm. And in this case, as you mentioned, even Georgia and South Carolina uh, impacted by this as well. So uh, how extensive will Samaritan's Purse be engaged? Obviously, the biggest uh, area of damage is in the, the panhandle there of Florida, the Big Bend. But beyond, beyond there, uh, into Georgia and South Carolina, South Carolina how uh, involved will Samaritan's Purse need to be in those areas? Well, as y'all mentioned, Tony mentioned, we don't want to leave until the work is done. And we want to be there and work through the local church, and we want to support them. Decisions will be made that for people to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. And when we do leave, when the work's done, we want that church better established to love and minister to the new believers, make disciples of men. And so We'll stay until the, the, all the homes have been mucked out, the roofs have been done, the work orders are done coming in, but we'll also assess and see if in certain areas if, if rebuilds need to happen. This is where we come in for the uninsured and non-insured and see if we can help people get back into their communities 
and get them back to a place where they can safely live and raise their families when uh, the rest of the world has forgotten or the government has let them fall through the crack. You know, FEMA is there for some of it, but a lot of these people fall through the cracks and don't get the support they need. And so that's, yeah. we have the resources that are given to us by the widow's might. Samaritan's Purse is built off the widow's might to love our neighbors and share the name of Jesus Christ when they think all hope is lost. And I have seen that uh, time and time again in the disasters that I've worked alongside with Samaritan's Purse. We have 15 seconds left. How can folks find out more about how they can partner with and support the work you're doing? First, pray. But if you'd like to volunteer, go to SamaritansPurse.org, and they'll show you how to sign up. All right. We're going to encourage people to do just that. Edward, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. And again, appreciate all that you and your dad and the team at Samaritan's Purse do. Thank you, Tony. We love you, and thanks for all your ministry does. Amen. Well, folks, uh, I cannot tell you a better ministry to partner with when it comes to helping people on the ground than Samaritan's Purse. They are among the best. So check it out. All right, coming up, you've heard it, go woke, go broke. Well, Disney now is being sued for a little sleight of hand. Their uh, investors, it's disenchantment for them. We're going to talk about that next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch right ahead. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, and here's my co-host... Great to be with you, Jody Heiss here. Jody Heiss, been filling in for me for the month, doing a great job. Well, I'm back, somewhat, I'm back. We're here in Southern California for FRC's 40th anniversary celebration here in Southern California. We're going to talk more about that. But first, uh, speaking of Southern California, the Disney Company 
I mean, they're like a stone's throw from us here at uh, his channel in Anaheim. Uh, they have seen their stock plummet over the last two years. In fact, they've hit a nine-year low. Uh, they've lost over half of their market capitalization. And they continue to get hit with bad news. Where's the applause? Uh, and, you know, and this is being driven by consumers who are fed up with their woke policies that they are cramming down our throats. Well, last week, Disney was uh, hit with another lawsuit. It was uh, over an alleged cost-shifting scheme in its streaming division. Now, the suit claims that the company executives hid the expense and difficulty of maintaining subscriber growth as it suffered, quote-unquote, staggering costs to create content. Well, part of it is they lost 4 million subscribers because of their woke content. Well, joining us now to, uh, to discuss this latest bad news for Disney is Paul Chesser, director of the Corporate Integrity Project for the National Legal and Policy Center. Paul, welcome uh, back to Washington Watch. Thanks for joining us. Good to be with you. Congratulations on your anniversary. Well, thank you. Uh, so, uh, Paul, we're going to jump right into this. What does this mean for Disney? Just another lawsuit, or is this a new wave of consumer activism, donor activism who are fed up with the policies of Disney? Well, there's probably a little bit of everything there. Uh, you know, we've seen the signs of Disney's decline for a while now. Uh, you know, they they put a lot of stock under prior uh, CEO Bob Chapek uh, in building up the Disney Plus uh, streaming channel. And uh, at the beginning of COVID, early 2020, they they rolled it out. And there was a lot of fanfare surrounding it and, and, and subscribership uh, rapidly grew uh, up until the end of 2022 when they hit some, somewhere around 164 million, 165 million. Well, that was the peak, and ever since then, the last three quarters has been a decline, and now they're down to about 146 million subscribers to Disney+. And the subscriber numbers were not, you know, Wall Street was saying, oh, wow, look, subscriber numbers, subscriber numbers. But then they said, okay, but where's the profitability? Uh, and there was the profitability wasn't coming along along with the subscribership. And so now you're seeing um, uh shareholders get a little upset and say, hey, you you had you had said projected that there's going to be 240, 260 million subscribers by the end of 2024. And now they're going down. What's up? What's up with this? And so they're saying we've been misled. There's been a couple other uh, uh, shareholder lawsuits about this, about misleading information, which is a no, no under the SEC rules. So that's their gripe. Well, Paul, you know, obviously, at least it's obvious to me and people I talk to, people care about their children. They care about the programming that their children watch. They care about this woke ideology being crammed down not only their throats, but that of their children when they're, they should be watching a, a, an innocent Disney film, uh, whatever it may be. And yet there's so much finger pointing when we have issues like this. Uh, as Disney is watching the decline of their uh, market and their market share and their uh, stocks and so forth, they seem to be doubling down that their woke ideology is what people want to hear uh, and what they right. want to see. Are they not at all aware of what the American people want and expect out of Disney? Uh, it's hard to peg Disney as to what they think because they're very insular. They're, you know, we try to engage them as shareholders and, and they're 
they're disrespectful. They don't they don't answer our, our messages. We've had two shareholder proposals the last two years with them. Gate engagement has been nothing. Uh, you know, I think it's a battle between Florida and California politics at, at this point, and California is winning out. And it, as far as who's prevailing in the programming and in the theme parks and and so forth. But, uh, you know, I think we're seeing with the decline of the share price and, and the value of the company that that it's not working. And right now, the big attention has been paid to Bud Light's decline and the, the, the mainstream business media is really noticing what's happened with with Bud Light, with Target. Um, for some reason, they're covering for Disney and they're still covering for Disney, but I don't think they can hold out much longer with that. They, they, they love Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, and he's he's now returned and he's, he was supposed to be re the returning hero to, to restore Disney's to its to its glory after Bob Chapek's supposed failures, but Bob, it's declined further under Bob Iger, and he's continued to validate the woke programming and you know these uh, male greeters at the at the bibbity bobbity boutique at the at the theme parks and um, and the Disney's Disney regular Disney Channel, the linear subscribers. You know that 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 portion of Disney's business has declined as well every pretty much every arm has declined we're seeing declining attendance at the theme parks disney boasted that well you know attendance was up a little bit but that's only because china in china the theme parks were opened this year as opposed right. to last year under the zero COVID policy so they're masking a lot of stuff too well i think it's a little pixie dust too uh <laughs> tinkerbell but paul great to see you thanks so much for uh for joining us we're going to continue. All right, thanks for having us. You know, I, I, I think, uh, Jody, this is some, uh, part of an encouraging thing here. Are investors becoming more aggressive in using the courts to hold these woke corporations accountable? Yeah, and this is serious. Yeah, Disney's in trouble. And uh, hopefully not only they, but others. That's what happens when you're goofy. It happens. <laughs> All right, uh, folks, don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by an all-star panel. General Jerry Boykin and Ken Blackwell join us. Don't go away. We're back after this. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first, just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Michelle Bachman. I'm so grateful for the involvement that I've been blessed to be a part of really for decades now with the Family Research Council. And it's a highly credible organization, and it's really just a tremendous honor to advance the kingdom of God through this organization. Well, and that was the chair of the board for the Family Research Council, former Congressman Michelle Bachman. And we are, yes, we're in our 40th year, celebrating 40 years of defending and advancing faith, family, and freedom. In fact, we all, this all-star panel here, we got uh, General Jerry Boykin, a three-star. Ken Blackwell, how many stars you got, Ken? <laughs> I'm between two of them. Right? All right. And then we have uh, Congressman Jody High, Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council. And uh, we're here in Southern California for our annual Friends of FRC dinner. And, uh, of course, tonight special because it's the 40th anniversary. Also, guys, we've got coming up our Pray Vote Stand Summit September the 15th through the 17th at the Omni Shoreham in Washington, D.C. Jody, are you going to be there? I'm going to be there. Everybody needs to be there. In fact, I, I, I think I can say this. I had a conversation earlier today with former President Trump, uh, and he's going to be there. So uh, we're going to have him. Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, is going to be there. Former Vice President Mike Pence is going to be there. I think we're going to have uh, our Ohio friend, oh, yeah. uh, Vivek. Yeah. And we're waiting to hear a confirmation from him. And a host of others yeah. are going to be there. The General, you're going to be there. I am? Yeah. Oh, at my age, I can't remember what I'm supposed to be doing. And you're going to be leading a panel discussion about the military. I will, and uh, 
I think this is a critical time for our military, and Americans need to know what's going on and need to be part of uh, the solution. You know what? I think that's a good place to start. Uh, I mentioned earlier at the top of the program about the two-year anniversary of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I just want to play a clip from the White House press secretary. This was from yesterday, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, and get you to respond to this clip six, please. America is no longer uh, is is uh, is no longer there. Obviously, uh, it is on, on a stronger footing, uh, more capable to to meet our security needs around the world because we are not fighting a ground uh, on the ground uh, a ground war in Afghanistan. So, General, America is on stronger footing after that disastrous, chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. I don't have to tell you, Tony, that. Uh... She doesn't even believe what she said. I mean, <laughs> I don't think she knows. This what whole she's administration saying. lives in a uh, in a fantasy world. When they come out with stuff like that, look, it, it is time for them to man up. It's time for them to to uh, come clean with the American people uh, about the decisions that were made and the decisions that were not made during this evacuation, because it is probably the most embarrassing and and worst. Uh, thing that I have seen in an administration in, in, in my life, and um, I, I, it grieves me to see what's going on there. I mean, this week, some of the Gold Star parents on Capitol Hill for a roundtable discussion with the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, Congressman McCall. Uh, thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, let me just tie into what the general is saying, and I don't think it's just that they're a bumbling clown car. I think some of this is intentional. Yeah. And that is what is disturbing. You know, if you would look at across a whole uh, range of their agenda uh, action items, it is to destroy our nation state, you know, our, our constitutional republic. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just... And if I could just real quickly add to that, I was, of course, in Congress at that time, and our office became heavily involved in trying to evacuate both American citizens right. and others. And, and at every step, it was our State Department that was in the way, yeah. this administration in the way, and when you talk about it being intentional, it's very difficult to think otherwise. I had just come off of the uh, U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, and so there were obviously a lot of people who had converted, had become Christians, during the time that the America was there at Afghanistan, and those individuals were now going to be targeted by the Taliban. And, and so we were working. I mean, I was working with different contacts to try to get people out of the country, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it was our own government in many ways that were standing in the way. So I, I, w I want to go to this intentionality mm -hmm. uh, because I, I want to go to another topic that continues to be an issue of discussion, and that is the border. And, and I want to play another clip of our, our, our <laughs> dear friend at the White House, the press secretary, Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre. This was again yesterday. She was talking about the border, clip five. Eric Adams, the New York mayor, is saying about these migrants uh, in New York City, any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. So why aren't you guys stopping the flow at the border? We are stopping the flow at the border. Now, I, I must have missed something. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, you're former mayor of Cincinnati, major city. You know that, that, that you just do not have this type of capacity in your city budgets to absorb 
hundreds of thousands of people coming into your city, relying on city services. You know, the Democratic mayors now saying, you've got to do something at the border. The press secretary saying, we've stopped the flow at the border. What world is she living in? Uh, look, it is as if she's gone through the looking glass, or she thinks we've gone through the looking <laughs> glass, and they can, they can just run anything by us. Again, I'll stay on the intentionality. These, these on their watch, there are five million aliens that have come into this country. You know, they are destroying the concept of citizenship. And Tony, you know, they they believe in one world government, which means that they intentionally destroy uh, our right. borders. They want a nation without borders, and they won't vote us without borders. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Joe, strong. Yeah, I really do. I've been to all nine sectors. There is nothing closed about our borders right now. It is wide open, uh, and and it's gotten worse uh, with in in recent months. And for th this is an outright lie. It is misinformation, uh, the zenith of misinformation, if not outright lies. I, I want to stay on this issue, Ken, that you bring up about intentionality. In, in general, I want to go to you on this because you and I have talked about this before. When you look at what has happened to our military and the policies that have been put in place by this administration that is demoralizing our military. It is affecting the recruiting ability of our military. Um, and it's reducing their readiness to go to war. Is it intentional? Absolutely, it's intentional. And people don't understand, uh, because Americans, most Americans, the overwhelming majority, believe we need a strong military that can defend this nation. But if you're a globalist, if you are a Marxist globalist, you are believing in this uh, one world government that Ken talked about, and that it, it all comes together when you understand that side of it. And so we want to have a military that is on par with Cuba. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the military, I, I don't want to leave that issue for a moment, because this story out yesterday, the Washington Post reporting that Army officials yesterday have brought sexual assault charges against a military doctor in what some are describing as a sprawling case involving at least 23 victims. I'm not going to go into the details, but uh, you can read the, the, the story. But my point is this. Why should we be shocked when everything about this administration and the military is your sexual identity, your gender, your sexual, sexual expression? And, you know, last year almost 9,000, 9,000 cases of sexual assault should we be surprised by that when everything we, we are focused on in our military is sex? No, I mean, look, if you look at what the Congress has done, they've contributed to, the, to this problem, and I'll tell you how. At the same time, they've sexualized the training and everything else, and the time that's spent doing this, they've also then turned around and taken the authority away from the commander's in the field to deal with it. It, it. At one time, if this happened, the commander right. was responsible for the court martial or whatever. That's not the case anymore. Well, is it because of the sensitivity to political correctness? We don't want to, you know, because we allow perversion in the military now. What used to be uh, court martial, or you get certainly get right. office hours drummed out of the military, now is actually protected behavior. And I'm talking specifically about homosexuality. That's now a protected behavior where it used to get you kicked out of the military. 
That's right, and if you go back and look at the Uniform Code of Military Justice, you will see that homosexuality was, was punishable. Uh, any kind of sexual activity that has been normalized was punishable but by court-martial. Eventually, there can be no moral standard. And that's what we're that's seeing right. is the erosion of all moral standards. Because, I mean, you, you, it's also, people don't understand the military is a different life. Yeah. You know, you, adultery is a crime in the military. I mean, you can't, I mean, it's just, you can't do those things because it breaks down unit cohesion, yeah. trust between officers and their men. Um, the, the, the military can't survive in this kind of an environment. No, Tony, and, and I'll tell you, given the world situation with uh, Russia, China, North Korea, and all the other uh, entities that are threats to us, now is a time when we ought to be looking at how do we have the most ready, the most capable military that we've ever had, and we're doing just the opposite, and going the other way because this administration does not care about the readiness of our military, and that's just a fact. The readiness or the, the, the moral standards by right. which they operate. Tony, look, this is very clear. There is a collision course. We have a constitutional republic where God is at the center of our nation and our culture. Uh, they, in fact, have at the center of the, the administrative state. Yeah. And so everything that they do grows dependency on the state. They destroy the family to grow dependency on 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 the right. state. In, in many ways, the government takes on the, you know, it, Paul talks about this in Second Thessalonians about the spirit of lawlessness and the rise of the Antichrist. Now, government is not the Antichrist, but I believe as anything sets itself in the place of God, it is advancing the spirit of the Antichrist. And I think once you get there, you have chaos and because you break down moral order, and that's what government is doing today. I, I want to play one more clip before we run out of time here, and I, I do want to go to something that the administration uh, is very good at messaging on, and in the wake of the hurricane that hit Florida, the president's back on his, uh, you know, his uh, trick pony of uh, climate change. Play clip number one. I don't think anybody can deny the impact of the climate crisis anymore. Just look around. Historic floods, I mean historic floods, more intense droughts, extreme heat, significant wildfires have caused significant damage like we've never seen before. An extreme insanity uh, that we've never seen before. Uh, and it's mostly centered in Washington, D.C. Um, little humor there. The... <laughs> Look, I, there's no denying. In fact, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. When, when I look back, um, just in Louisiana, just take my state personal experience. This is not scientific, but just uh, anecdotal. You know, since Katrina, we're, we're having a major disaster almost every other year. I mean, we've had multiple major disasters. So there's no question the climate is changing. Um, that's not the issue, at least not for me. I mean, I know there's climate change. I know that all these oh, things has are happening. Been. You're right. It always has been. That's not the issue. The issue is what they're proposing is the solution. Surrendering our national sovereignty and the citizens giving more power to government. We're talking about the same government that couldn't get COVID right, that wrecked our economy over COVID, threw away billions of dollars to fraudulent entities, and they want us to give them power to change the climate of the globe? Right. Come and, on. And Jody can underscore this. What they've done, they've moved us from energy 
independence. You're absolutely you know, right. You know, to energy dependence. You're right. If they want which, to is be, a, which is a danger. And, and just think about it. They're so concerned about the climate, but they hug communist China, yep. uh, who has dirty air, and, and, and they, they, they fail to recognize and admit that we have clean water, clean air in the in Which we United didn't States. have uh, 7,500 <laughs> yeah, years ago. Right. We have done tremendous. Corporate America, Absolutely. and this is one place I'll give them a shout out, <laughs> have actually done quite well in cleaning up the air emissions and the water in this country. And I'm all for that. I'm yeah. a conservationist. Yeah. But I am not for surrendering more authority to a government that has, is clueless right. when it comes to... De- they ought to build roads, bridges, uh, you know, stick to the things that government has a responsibility to do. And we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back to this because uh, we don't have time today. But they're destroying the dollar as the reserve currency in the world. And they don't understand the impact that's going to have on working families. You're right. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good point because just out here in California, I was looking at the price of gas because they had that reformulated fuel out here. And I'm thinking, how in the world do working class families make it out here when you're paying you know, five, six dollars a gallon for, for gas, right. and you've got to drive everywhere out of here. How do you do it? I mean, that, they talk about championing the poor, and they're trampling on the poor with their love and embracing of the planet as if, you know, it's, it's a religious conviction. And this is the mecca of left-wing yeah, policy right. here. So if it happens here, this is what they'd like to see across yeah. the entire country. Well, my all-star panel, we could go on all night, but unfortunately we can't. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. And tonight we're going to have a great time at our 40th anniversary celebration. Guys, thanks for joining me. Good to be with you. Yeah. And folks, thank you for joining me as well. Always great to see you. Great to be back. And again, Jody, thanks for filling in for these, uh, for these last few weeks. And until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6. When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1 866 372 7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.